Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, and uh, today we're going to have a chat with a very successful film producer, Sue Maslin. If you were watching the Actor Awards last night, you will know that uh, The Dressmaker did very well at the awards, and uh, Sue is here to have a chat with us about that as well as many other things. How are you, Sue? Good morning, Annie. Really great, actually. Big night last night. Yes, that's right. Uh, 13 nominations but uh, and uh, quite a few wins as well, including the uh, People's Choice Award for Best Film. That, that one is particularly special because, you know, all of us, cast, crew, Kate, Liam, Judy, Hugo, Jocelyn, myself, all of us do the work that we do because we want to tell stories and reach audiences. And when... You do that, it's just magic, you know, when the audience embraces your film. So we could not be more thrilled that uh, to be voted Australia's uh, favourite uh, film, Australian film in 2015. And the uh, other thing about it that must be uh, very uh, uh, self-affirming is that at box office you have already uh, surpassed the cost of the making of the film. It is now... Uh, as an official success. Well, that is true. (laughs) That is true. In fact, um, the film, um, as of this week, is sitting at um, $16.5 in box office and we're still booked up um, through to Christmas. And the wonderful thing about that, it puts us, uh, as of today, in the 13th uh, most successful Australian film of all time. So um, it's an extraordinary result. And... um, we, we just couldn't be more delighted. But don't please don't confuse that with that we've gone into profit because we're a long, 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 long way off from that. <laughs> oh, isn't that interesting? I mean, it is a really challenging world to be in in filmmaking, isn't it? The uh, thing that yeah, it, it is. I, I think most people don't appreciate that um, that the lion's share of every ticket that you buy at the box office, seventy uh, percent of it goes back to the exhibitor. And then um, of the remaining, um, you know, 30%, then the cost of marketing uh, and advertising the film has to be deducted. And then 50% of that, what remains, goes to the distributor. So on average, is about a dollar out of every $10 that comes back to the producer. And we use that dollar to repay the cost of making the movie. 
So um, in a nutshell, it takes a very, very long time to repay <laughs> all those investors. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, we The last time we talked to you, uh, you had um, not even uh, – you'd been uh, – uh, going around the place, uh, uh, doing your producer role, which was to uh, collect funds f- uh, for the project. And at that time, you had said that one of the most difficult things to sell to international uh, uh, investors was a film that had amazing female actors in it, but hadn't yet named its A-list uh, male uh, actor. Can you talk to that? Yeah, no, it's interesting because here's a film with the title The Dressmaker. It's a unapologetic celebration of female uh, visual pleasure and through the costuming, through the performances, through the way Jocelyn has told the story and even to the extent of the way that we film our beautiful um, lead male actor, Liam Hemsworth, it is very much uh, a female-driven sensibility. Now, once I take that out into the big wide world of the marketplace and start to pitch it, um, I discover very quickly that there's a lot of concern about how commercial that would be and how that will sell when the, uh, you know, the dominant way of telling stories, and not just in Australia, worldwide, is, is really about um, telling male stories helmed by male directors. So in order to comfort the marketplace, and by this I mean the distributors and the, the around the world as well as the sales agent, we needed to um, show that we could attach not just one but two A-list male actors because it wasn't enough having Kate Winslet and Judy Davis uh, to raise that money internationally. That's quite extraordinary. Now, that leads into one of the real reasons why we started to have a chat, which uh, was about an announcement by Screen Australia on Monday that uh, it's going to be uh, earmarking $5 million specifically to try and increase the uh, level of female participation in the Australian film industry at the production phase. Uh, yep. Yeah. So uh, we can talk about uh, what they're uh, doing uh, in a minute, the practicalities. But that's a very interesting thing, isn't it? That uh, you have a lot of people, women working, uh, studying, going to the schools, getting all, all ready to go. And it, there's parity, almost parity there. But once it gets into the production phase, there is a real problem and underrepresentation. There's only about 15% of women being represented in the industry as a whole. No, it's, it's been a fairly consistent problem now for at least the last 30 years that I've been in this business. It just has not shifted. You know, women are vastly underrepresented in the role, um, creative role of uh, director, but also in writing and producing, but also um, in a whole range of areas of uh, leadership within the industry. So in the areas of distribution and exhibition, I mean, we still only have one woman exhibitor in this country, Natalie Miller. We still only have, um, you know, less than you can count on one hand the number of women distributors that we have in this country that actually decide what all of us see on cinema screens week in, week out. Um, but getting back to the production side of it, the we've got a situation now where roughly half of all film school graduates are women. Women are developing projects. Uh, they're coming through the funding agencies 
but what we're finding is that in the feature film area, not television so much, but in the feature film area, women are not going on to have their films produced um, in production and they're not going on to have being, you know, sustained careers. Something is, is going wrong. It's, um, you know, not... Uh, the uh, opportunities are not sitting at that production level and that, that's what this Screen Australia Gender Matters initiative is seeking to address. It's interesting, as you say, because uh, in um, the... Uh, there used to be an affirmative action policy at uh, the precursor to Screen Australia and it was abandoned uh, in 1999, right? And uh, it then... And as uh, as they've said, that that affirmative action process had actually got uh, the uh, situation where women were being represented right across the board in, in about 30%, if they were about 30% yep. of the industry. And there was this sense, I guess, that that means that it was a breaking point. In actual fact, history shows that you have to have a larger percentage. And that proved to be the case because it felt it's been falling away, hasn't it? Do you have any... Yeah, yeah. It, it, there hasn't been much appreciable change. If anything, it's you know it has fallen away a little bit. So, I mean, the um, reason why I'm bringing it up yeah, is that people. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but why I'm bringing it up is that oh, there's this conversation about this uh, mantra about uh, meritocracy that you shouldn't have quotas, you shouldn't have affirmative action because then you're not just getting the. It's not fair. You're not getting the best stuff, but. Actually, there's reasons for why uh, one might accept the notion that there are other things at play. Yeah, look, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, there's the argument, well, if, you know, they were good enough, there'd be uh, more women directors out there directing. Well, look, let's just take a look at that. Over the past 12 years, five of the winners of Best Director at the AFIs or Actor Awards have been women. It disproportionately. And this, these directors, remember, are 16% of the total number of directors in the industry. So the talent is there. The capacity is there. There are, you know, many, many women out there that have got one credit as a, um, as a director or a writer or a producer. But what we need to look at, what are the barriers for them going on and continuing to direct again and again? And there's no simple answer to that. It's very, very complex, and there's a whole range of reasons why women don't get the gigs. But one of the things I was quite interested to discover is if you actually ask the question, well, who is taking the risk on women directors? You find over the past five years, 90% of the producers... 90% uh, of the, the women directors had female producers giving them that opportunity. So overwhelmingly, men appear to be engaging other men um, to work with and to direct their films, but they're not engaging women. And that's another thing that um, we want to change. We just want to draw attention to these kind of gaps and say, hey, It'll make the industry better for all of us if we have more diversity and more women involved in uh, storytelling. And in actual fact, this is a, a commonality. It's it's the ape-like behaviour that we have as humans, where we make preferences towards people that look exactly like us. Mm. 
Yeah, look, and it's understandable. You know, psychologically, it's understandable. It's also understandable from a risk analysis perspective. You know, if you've got vast sums of money and if you're talking about feature films, you, you can be talking about millions, if not hundreds of thousands. So there's, you know, there's serious money involved. Then people, understandably, are going to want to minimise risk and feel comfort. Now, if you've got men in the positions right from the top all the way down deciding and greenlighting what gets made and what doesn't get made, they're typically going to want to work with other men. And I think they do it not consciously. I think it's just, it's ingrained. It's the, it's the so-called norm. And what we're trying to do is just say, actually, it doesn't have to be normal. Think a bit more widely and recognise that women are more than 50% of the ticket-buying public. The talent and the capacity is there. It makes commercial sense when you see a film like The Dressmaker come along and find that audience. I mean, why miss out on the potential of female-driven films and stories that appeal to female audiences? You're on uh, Showreel with Annie, and uh, we're talking to with Sue Maslin, the uh, very happy Sue Maslin, because The Dressmaker, the film that she's most recently produced, has done extremely well at the Actor Awards. And this leads us straight into this uh, uh, the absolute uh, importance, not just of uh, ensuring that there's parity between male and females in the uh, storytelling process that uh, filmmaking represents, but uh, also how uh, the story, the dressmaker, is a perfect example of how this. Uh, uh, is a watershed moment, really, for women's gaze and women's storytelling processes and what interests a particular audience. Now, the, in Australia, it's done incredibly well, The Dressmaker. And when I went to see it, I just thought it was a hit. It was hysterical. I thought it was just great, especially since I was brought up in a country town. I just thought, ah, oh, this is so fantastic that people have discussed the relationships and power relationships within that sort of context in this witty way. Uh, but actually, uh, people like P- Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian uh, reviewed it as even Kate Winslet carrying her sewing machine like a gunslinger, a gunfighter's pistol can't redeem this unbearable patchwork of comedy and tragedy. The dressmaker review, uh, uh, revenge drama falls apart at the seams, right? He couldn't see it as being something of interest at all. Well, look, you know, it divides some critics. Um, it, fortunately, those views are not shared by our audiences. So, No, no, um, the, but I know. think it's really a key issue that as a person who does reviews, I'm conscious that my opinion is only one opinion, but there were, there were a variety of uh, male reviewers who did not see how fantastic The Dressmaker was. Yeah, look, I think it, you know, the reality is that this is not a film made for white, middle-class, middle-aged male reviewers. And unfortunately, a significant proportion, in fact, worldwide, it's sitting at about 85% to 15% of all critics are male. Um, This is, you know, I don't want to necessarily get into a sort of gender dissection of male critics, but... You know, this is not a film that was made for them. This is a film that is very, very much made for um, an audience. Uh, It's, you know, it's intended to entertain, um, to make people laugh, to make people cry. 
but to do it from a female perspective. So the idea of female pleasure is embedded in the book, is embedded in the way the film is directed, and it's embedded in the way that we've positioned the film going out to our audience. And this is a serious matter, that uh, if there isn't people who can see the commercial value of such a story told in this particular way, uh, then actually uh, no change will happen unless there is parity of some sort. Yeah, look, I've always been um, convinced there's a commercial audience for this film. In fact, I was so convinced that I had to convince investors to take the risk and believe that there was an audience because I was asking them to put up substantial amounts of money. This film could not have been made with all of those gorgeous couture costumes, the period setting, the location setting and those actors unless uh, there was a really, really cogent you know, business plan in place to convince investors that we would find the audience. And um, so it's enormously satisfying and also very relieving that we did find that audience in the end. But I was convinced of it right from the outset. Now let's go back to the Screen Australia initiative. There's, they're talking about $3 million being uh, specifically uh, leading to... Uh, uh, production of uh, material that's being uh, propelled by uh, a female writer, uh, a, f- a female creative team. So either a writer, a uh, director, a producer or a protagonist. And there has to be three out of four of uh, those involved in the project. That's right. Look, anybody can apply, male or female, but the um, the idea is that it passes the so-called three-tick test. So um, the idea there being that, um, you know, it's, it is ultimately a female-driven project in terms of sensibility. So uh, there's a range of different ways that that story fund, um, well, those funds will work, and the guidelines will come out very shortly, in fact, um, the, the role of the task force is actually to help um, advise and shape those guidelines and that work is being done right now. So this will be turned around very quickly so that the fund is up and running um, by the end of January, early February next year. There's also going to be um, attachment opportunities and so-called reverse attachment. And what that means is instead of you going and attaching yourself to a particular film creative or production company, you could be actually developing your own work and then invite somebody very experienced into your um, production to assist with you and mentor you. There's also going to be an initiative that um, looks at uh, assisting distributors in marketing female-focused films. So there's a number of initiatives on, on the table and, um, and all of them you know, are really targeted to trying to get to a point where we end up having, uh, you know, parity, you know, male-female parity in key creative roles and in stories about women on our screen. Because I think it's very interesting that uh, uh, making it practically possible is uh, fantastic and the notion that... uh, People come from uh, the the situation where you've got people at film school where you almost have parity and then it decreases. Gives me the impression that uh, women themselves need to have confidence in themselves. Correct. No, I think that's a really, uh, really good point. I mean, I discovered very early on um, when I was involved in women applying to film school programs, and this is going back to the early 90s, 
where at the time less than 30% of graduates were women. We were trying to encourage women to not only apply but to reapply because what typically happens is that men and women apply the first time round to film schools in pretty much equal numbers. Then amongst those that don't get in, that get rejected, uh, women somehow take it personally and then don't reapply, whereas the men just pick themselves up, brush themselves off and reapply again and again until they get in. Now, that, that speaks volumes about confidence, self-confidence and, the, you know, the different way um, that, you know, men and women, uh, you know, push through in this career. So, yeah, you're quite right. Women also need to... We need to look at how we can help women find that, that self-confidence. And um, it's a very, very tough business and, you, you know, you have to have a thick skin going forward. There's also other uh, support mechanisms within the industry that uh, you're part of for women, aren't there? Yeah, look, I'm, I've been interested in this area for, for a long time now and one of the things that I'm really, really committed to is the Natalie Miller Fellowship and that is about inspiring the future women leaders of our industry so we offer an annual fellowship of um, $10,000 and we're hoping to increase that going forward um, whereby we you know, uh, call for a round of applications every year and women can submit proposals that will assist them le- you know, achieve their uh, career um, and leadership goals. So uh, we, we see that nothing will change unless we really get a lot, lot more women in um, key positions of uh, leadership within this screen industry. There's also uh, media, women in media. Are you part um, of that? No, I'm I certainly patron of women in film and television. Oh, sorry, that's it. In, in Victoria. Yeah. yeah. But, um, no, look, it's just something that I've really enjoyed being part of, I suppose, uh, over the years. I myself have been a beneficiary of affirmative action programs at the beginning of my career and I just like to try and give back and you know help other women now as they're developing their careers. It's a bit lonely being by yourself anyway isn't it? Well indeed I mean that you know it's a very collaborative business so um, we, we all need to find um, really strong you know support mechanisms wherever we can amongst men and women. Uh, that you know the, the men know this. They they are very very effective networkers. They are very effective at uh, mentoring each other, and we need to be a lot better at that ourselves. Thanks for talking to me, Sue. And once again, congratulations for such a coup for the dressmaker. Thank you. No, it's just so exciting. I mean, you know, we as of uh, today, we're now the thirteenth. Uh, biggest box office film all time in Australia. So um, it, it's just, uh, it's so exciting. Uh, we're, we're really thrilled and I'm just so proud of Jocelyn you know, coming back to Australia and directing uh, her first feature film after 19 years. So talk about um, obstacles, um, but she uh, she's back there. She's done it beautifully and um, assembled this you know stellar cast and crew and we're just thrilled that audiences have loved it. I'll tell you something. We'll end on a personal note. I woke up this morning literally with a, a text from my 22-year-old daughter who said, oh, have you seen The Dressmaker? I went to it last night. It was fantastic. So there you go. <laughs> Wonderful, Annie. <laughs> okay. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Bye. And that was Sue Maslin. And uh, that's us for uh, uh, Showreel. And coming up next is Published or Not. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.